This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Many bills and amendments have been introduced in the legislature this year that focus on women's health policy. But feminine hygiene isn't one of them. It's one of those bills that I don't think ever has made it out of finance. But yes, it's a it's a conversation worth having. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. Governor Jim Justice called for the reversal of a 2023 law, making it easier to transfer school sports teams. Jack Walker has the story. In 2023, lawmakers passed a bill allowing high schoolers to immediately transfer school sports teams without changing addresses or going through a one-year waiting period. The law was framed as a matter of school choice, but it's since produced record high sports transfers and a growing number of blowout games. Critics of the law, like Justice, say it pushes students to transfer to more competitive schools, creating superpower sports teams. If you play on a team and your team loses that game 95 to 3 in football, how do you feel tomorrow to get up and to go to school? Justice called on lawmakers to pass a bill rescinding the 2023 policy, but they only have until February 28th to get a new bill through its chamber of origin. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Jack Walker in Shepherdstown. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency will provide West Virginia with nearly $70 million for drinking water, wastewater, and stormwater infrastructure projects. The funds come from the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which President Joe Biden signed in 2021. The money will largely go to the state revolving funds for drinking water water and clean water. About half the amount will be in the form of grants or principal forgiveness loans. The EPA is providing a total of $5.8 billion for state revolving funds in fiscal year 2024. The EPA says it will allocate additional funding in the spring for lead service line replacement. The infrastructure law has put $246 million into different projects statewide since its passage. After effects from the pandemic continue to challenge our health care systems, the most recent spotlight is on Medicaid, which offers health coverage for more than 90 million Americans with limited resources. After several years of continuous coverage, now everyone must reapply to determine eligibility. In a new episode of Us and Them, host Trey Kay reports on how that process is going for the residents of the Mountain State. Kay talked with Deidre Toppings about her experience. She was covered by Medicaid when her headaches began eight years ago, but that changed. Here's an excerpt from our latest episode. I don't like going unless I absolutely have to. So I just suffered I mean, I kept getting diagnosed with just chronic migraines and they tried multiple different medications to help with the migraines, but nothing was working. So then that's when they suggested the the further testing with the MRIs and the CAT scans to see what else was going on. Testing showed a cranial malformation that required an operation. Surgeons needed to remove a piece of her skull to give her brain more space. It's a major procedure, brain surgery. And then that decompression surgery failed. 
the base of my brain is outside of my skull again, but I'm not able to take that much time off nor money wise to have another surgery. It fluctuates because it all depends on like how the base of your brain is setting at that point with the spinal fluid flowing around it. So if you're having a bad day and your spinal fluid is not flowing, you have more symptoms and they're more severe. And most of the time when you have those severe symptoms, you're stuck at home because you just can't you just can't function. We were very thankful for Medicaid because it would pay for what the 20 percent that our insurance wouldn't cover. Just medication and stuff because, I mean, copays on medicine, they range from anywhere from $5 to summer in the thousands of dollars, even with a copay. Eventually, Deidre and her husband decided they needed more income. So she got a job. But then when COVID struck, she got laid off and found herself back on Medicaid. In terms of health care, she says that actually turned out well. She could go to a doctor without having to worry about a huge bill. And her kids were covered, too. It's not something that I want to rely on, but it was it was nice to have that extra help so that we wouldn't have to take away essentially from our kids because the money that we have to put out for that that's coming from groceries or our bills or, you know, something because we don't make a whole lot of money. Now, we all know what happened next. The pandemic emergency ends, and now Deidre has two new challenges. First, in West Virginia, state employees get fined if they don't use their employer-based health insurance. And second, Deidre and her husband are both working, so they don't qualify for Medicaid anymore. Even if the school district's insurance doesn't cover her specific needs like Medicaid did. We have to budget it in like some months. If we don't have doctor's appointments or anything planned, then, you know, we're able to really know what we're going to have to spend. Of course, we put back every paycheck kind of um, a savings account. That way, if an emergency does happen, we have a little bit. It might not be enough to cover what we need, but we have a little bit put back to help with that emergency. Deidre is the only member of her family whose health needs monitoring. Is she supposed to get two MRIs a year? With her current plan, she pays $900 a pop. Do you have somebody who helps you navigate your health care and your health care coverage? Or is that something that, that you basically navigate all on your own, you and your husband? No, we just do it all on our own. It's not something that is fun to think about. I feel like we're being punished because we want to work and we want to better our lives and make sure our children have what they need. That's an excerpt from the latest Us and Them episode called Navigating Post-Pandemic Medicaid. To hear the rest of that episode, tune in tonight at 8 p.m. on West Virginia Public Broadcasting. There will be an encore broadcast on Saturday, February 24th at 3 p.m. Us and Them is supported by the West Virginia Humanities Council, the CRC Foundation, and the Daywood Foundation. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 751. Mostly cloudy skies today. Chance of rain highs in the 40s and 50s. Chance of rain continues tonight and tomorrow. Lows tonight in the 40s, highs tomorrow in the 40s with some clearing in the afternoon. 
Support for WVPB is provided by Ziegler and Ziegler, attorneys in Hinton, marking 50 years of providing legal services for the people, businesses, nonprofits, and public agencies of West Virginia. Women's health has been a popular topic in the legislature this year. Many bills and amendments have been introduced to focus on women's health policy. Brianna Heaney brings us this interview with Senator Patricia Rucker, a Republican from Jeff- Jefferson County, and Delegate Anitra Hamilton, a Democrat from Monongalia County, about women's health in the state and legislation that affects women. We've been talking about um, heart disease for, that a lot of women in the state face. Um, I want to give you a chance to talk about heart disease for women in the state. It's the number one um, reason for death. Is there any legislative priorities in addressing this? So I haven't seen any bill, although I will say we did pass a resolution regarding this, I think February 1st, but don't quote me on it. Um, and um, yeah, there's, by this time, everything's kind of running together. But I will say that um, this is something that, yes, I knew it's, it's actually the number one killer. And a lot of women don't recognize the signs. So I think we've already in the past, like, put a big push towards just educating women on what the signs are so that they will know when they need to seek medical attention. But uh, no, I haven't seen any legislation specific to it. All right, let's transition. Let's pivot to um, tax relief bills. (laughs) So far, um, there has been a list of um, specific tax relief bills for small arms, for off-roading vehicles, for some coal in the state. The list goes on. What about tampons, pads, and other feminine hygiene products in the states? Yeah, I have not seen that bill run yet, although um, it's been introduced in the past. Um, it's one of those bills that I don't think ever has made it out of finance. But yes, it's a, it's a conversation worth having. Um, I, I also, regarding women's products, I mean, um, there's, of course, several people that have introduced tax relief for child care. And that's a very important topic that I think needs and deserves attention and discussion. Um, but yeah, no. So I'm a co-sponsor on a bill in the House for free um, period products, and it hasn't made it to committee. It hasn't been put on the agenda. Um, I know we've had a lot of groups here, a lot of students here advocating for it. Uh, we have tried to push it, and for it did not have a, f- a fiscal note with it. We we're asking counties to cover the cost, um, but for some reason they got sent to finance. So is your bill for the schools? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. we've passed that in the past. Did it not make it through both houses? Mm-hmm. Oh, we've What's passed that. I don't know. We, I know the Senate passed yeah. it said definitely last year. I, I don't know what happened yeah. to it. Okay. So we tried to do another one. So we're praying that it gets through and makes it to four. I know we did have legislation about the, the jails mm-hmm. and basically making certain that the women have those products in jails. Um, and I think it flew through. We, we didn't have to, and much debate about it. 
What are some of the barriers to this legislation making it to the finish line this session? We don't know because there's not a fiscal note to it. Um, we were just asking counties to cover it. I mean, we even estimated it would be less than catering. Um, it's just a matter of getting on the agenda. You know, I have no idea. We haven't had the discussion this year, but I know that in last year when debating that legislation, which we did end up passing, um, the only, I guess you'd say no votes or folks who, who didn't support it, their concerns came from that it wasn't needed, that already schools provide for this and there was no reason to the legislation. But I'm just telling you what I heard last yeah. year. And that's valid because there are a lot of groups, but it's contingent on groups giving. You know, so it, it still puts our kids in a vulnerable space. Absolutely. All righty. I'm going to give Senator Rucker a chance to talk about IVF, infertility oh, treatments. <laughs> um, kind of a, a, a two-questioner. Okay. Um, first, IVF being mandated to be covered by insurance companies. Um, mm -hmm. We talked a lot about how IVF can cost over $30,000. Um, wow. Is there any initiatives in the Senate to address some of these costs or to mandate insurance companies cover this treatment? No, I haven't seen any. Um, I can tell you, I definitely haven't introduced any legislation like that. Uh, we have legislation regarding midwives and doulas be being covered by insurance and non-fetal stress tests uh, being covered by insurance. I, I haven't seen legislation and I haven't, and I haven't introduced legislation regarding IVF being covered. So I will also say I also haven't had folks coming to me telling me this was an issue. That was Senator Patricia Rucker and Delegate Anitra Hamilton speaking with Brianna Heaney about women's health issues in the state. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Jack Walker, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yoey. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.